The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly a part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts from actual play to true crime to witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right. For just $20, we'd say your name here. We'd say how cool you are. We'd say, hey, you know... Those are a nice pair of shoes. And then you'd be like, hey, are you referencing the shoelaces mean from Tumblr? And I'd be like, no, I said your shoes, not your shoelaces, you son of a bitch. Anyways, it's, it'll be a whole thing. It'll be great. Or, you know, contribute to our uh, our legal fund at gofundme.com slash nerd and tie. I don't know, that'd help too. <laughs> In this month's edition of Nerd and Tie... We're making peace with Peacemaker. We're being crime lords of Boba Fett. Colossal Con North is a thing. And who knows what madness lurks within our minds. All this in the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge on this month's Nerd and Tide. <laughs> you can oh, have man. one, you can have the other, you could have both. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I wasn't doing the intros this month. Oh my God! But you have to have at least yeah. one. I was gonna say like, Trey, your professionality is just like slowly leaving you I, this <laughs> month. It is, man. I am. I'm doing so much. Right. Anyways, Nick, say who it. we are. Yeah. Um. Welcome to Nerd and Tie. Doing way too much. Uh, is the network producer and host of this fine show, Trey Dorn. Ah! <laughs> Calling out Trey for his uh, swiftly uh, dwindling professionalism is Genprock. Yo, what up? And, it's okay uh, to be unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you? And yeah, who are you? And uh, uh, ha- having second thoughts about living in a in a basement with a space bounty hunter helmet cult, I'm Nick Izumi. Um, yeah, that's very specific. That's very. You specific. own the house, so if you're in the basement, that's by choice. It's your basement. Yeah, yeah but why are there cult people? Why is there a cult in your basement? Down there, we were just. <laughs> They were like, hey, want to know the way? Put this bucket on your head. It'll be cool. And so far, all we've done is complain about how things would have been better under pre-Vizsla and complain about the Darksaber. It's been just, I don't get it. They're weird. I think I'm I'm thinking about kicking them out. (laughs) I'm I'm just like slowly burning apart at like every edge because like right now, like... Besides all the podcast stuff, and we're we're putting out um, new season of the Meat Grinder premieres in a couple weeks here, and yeah. the trailer's going out on Monday. Uh, ground the um, meat. The trailer. By the time you listen to this, actually, chances are the trailer is up because this is releasing not long before the trailer goes up. Um, but then also, I'm the convention director for No Brand Con, and <laughs> full disclosure, I'm losing my goddamn mind. Um, yeah, you're. Uh... Oof. I'm just saying that 
if I e- if I email you saying please respond to this email, please don't sit on it for a week because mm. I'm just see this is why I asked you specifically. You did because I was just talking to you at the time. The other people who and got you that said email no, so I got express permission to not email yeah, you back. Yeah, but that's because you told me. The other people yes. who got that email haven't told me anything. Anyways, um. We don't need to talk about that on recording. <laughs> no. Nope. Further. I mean, it's not bad. It's just that, like, I don't want to bring up other people's business. But I'm just tired, man. <laughs> no, we so could bring up a completely other business. Oh, boy. Uh, We're doing a podcast right now, aren't we? We are doing a podcast. <laughs> and uh, I think we should start up our podcast with asking a very important question Do you really want to? Do you really want to taste it? What's going on? Must come down. Okay, so Peacemaker's out on um on uh, HBO and HBO Max. Just and HBO it, Max. It's an HBO Max original. Oh, it's just HBO Max. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is the it has the best opening sequence of any TV show in like the last ten years. So I'm yeah, gonna say it. Yeah. Just right now. So I'm watching. Uh, I, I I've been watching two shows on HBO Max, and they are uh, Peacemaker and Beforeigners. And one is an American show with a theme song written and performed by Norwegians, and the other one's a Norwegian song with a theme song written and performed by Americans. And so, you know, that's a thing. That's life, man. That's just wild. Um, Am I the only person who's made that connection? I I think so. I haven't been watching The Foreigners, though. Oh, bef- I've been watching random stuff. The Foreigners <laughs> is so great. So we're going to talk about Peacemaker, obviously, but I do need to just say, because The, the Foreigners uh, season finale just dropped this weekend. should be the season finale. The first season was only six episodes, so the second season should only be six. Uh, but no spoilers. That, that finale was just fucking wild, man. And it okay. is, um, well, do you know the premise of Beforeigners? I do not. Okay, so okay. the the premise is, is that it's modern day, but what happened was is that, like, I think it's 10 years before the start of the series. Like, there's, it you, you see it happen in the show, but then they jump forward in the first episode almost immediately. Um, yeah, it's like 10 years. Um, rifts in time have opened up across the world. And effectively, timigrants, like people start showing up from the past all over the world um, from three different time periods. Uh, They're the people from cavemen times, um, effectively the Viking Age and then the Victorian Age. And uh, people who like historically just showed like showed on records as like being lost in shipwrecks or vanishing, like just all start showing up. And so it, uh, the series is set in Norway, and they're like, um, the, uh, the, the, the first season starts out with, uh, you got this detective, Lars, and um, his, uh, his partner is a, um, a Viking. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, a fielder, and she, uh, a fielder uh, is, is just an amazing character, and I love her so much. Um, this sounds wild. It is wild. Uh, I watch it in the Norwegian with subtitles only because when I watched the first season was when it was... It's HBO Max for the second season. The first season, it was just regular HBO. So um, 
I could watch because I get I I do HBO Max through uh, the Hulu add-on, so I can watch the HBO content through the Hulu app, but I can watch obviously only the HBO Max stuff in the HBO Max app. And I usually watch stuff if I can watch it in the Hulu app. I watch it in the Hulu app just because Hulu's got a better player on Roku. Fair. Um, because fa- you ever try to fast forward and rewind on the HBO Max app, and it is a pain. Um, but so on the uh, the Hulu release, they just had it subtitled; they didn't have it dubbed. So on a, I started watching the second season. It defaulted to the dub, and I just um, like the moment a fielder opened her mouth, I was like, "No, this is the wrong voice. This is way too high pitched." And like, I was like, "This does not." Imagine I had to switch it back to subtitled. The fun thing is in season two, there are a bunch, like, there are, like, this is not a major spoiler, but there are some British characters who show up in season two who are speaking English, and sometimes the subtitles don't match the English dialogue. <laughs> and the English dialogue is being spoken by yeah, British whole- actors. Like, they, they like, the, the, the British characters are played by actual British actors, so it's just like, uh... That's not, I mean, like, it's like three, like, I know wow. it's like slight, only slightly. Di- so what I end up doing is just ignoring the subtitles and the scenes that are in English. Um, That's but, like an anti-accomplishment. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I really, I really enjoy the foreigners a lot. But anyways, Peacemaker is very Pe- different. Peacemaker, <laughs> on the other hand, I, so real talk, um, I, in our best of, um, 2021, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the film, um, Su- the suicide squad the directed suicide by James squad. Gunn right. as one of my favorite, as my favorite superhero movie of last year. I stand by that. It's really good. And I was really curious what this was going to look like because I rewatched the suicide squad and I enjoyed it every bit as much. And, but I w- as I was watching it, I'm thinking, wow, Peacemaker is as funny as he can be, by the end of that movie, he's one of the most hateable characters in this entire thing. Yeah. How are you going to make a series out of him? And the answer is, one, because John Cena is a painfully underrated actor. Yeah. He's very good. But two, um, the way that James Gunn always does by giving us stories about characters who are way, way way more um sympathetic than you might think and relating to them through cheesy music it and is by giving us characters with issues with their dad who and they related through through music yeah 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 okay that's fair it's I mean, very that's a cheap shot good, that's the entire superhero genre yeah i mean yeah that's <laughs> i mean that's not just a james gunn thing yeah, that's, but yeah that's the, i'll admit it that's the excellent soundtrack though i would say is a pretty much been a James oh. Gunn thing. I love the yeah. music in the show. I love the characters. This is the second time ever I have given half of a shit about uh, the Adrian Chase version of Vigilante. <laughs> and the only <laughs> oh other my time that that happened was when I was reading uh, a Best of Alan Moore compilation. It's that the entire, th- like, let's, let's be clear. It's just this version of Adrian Chase is, say, very different than when Arrow had Adrian Chase on the show, right? Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that two different shows, of, of all the characters in the DC universe, 
one, Adrian Chase is not one I would think people would be that excited about doing. But two, it's amazing to me how drastically different uh, Arrow went with him versus how um, Peacemaker did. Where uh, there's an argument to be made that he's DC Deadpool, but I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's a, lot, a mess. He's a lot more vulnerable than, <laughs> than he, Deadpool. Yeah, that's that's very true. He's got a lot of issues. He's he's oh um, but he's so, got a lot of issues. So we guy. are. How many episodes are we into this season right now? Five. We're five episodes. It's an eight episode season. Um. And no one's seen the eighth episode yet. Like, reviewers got to see the first seven. Um, because James Gunn didn't want the finale. And apparently Gunn wrote all eight episodes while he was recovering from COVID. Um, I, mad props. Yeah, it's, and, and if you, the butterflies have no, um, I'm not going to explain what, what Project Butterflies or what butterflies are. For people, but are apparently are not from the comics. They are literally a thing he had in a screenplay that he never that has never been produced. That he lifted from like something that he's already he had already written a long time ago. And it does lead to Peacemaker asking if he's going to fight a Mothra. <laughs> it does. Um, and there's so much stuff of this. Like this version of Peacemaker is so like is so. <laughs> like there there are elements that come their classic peacemaker like you know like the the kind of person his father is uh, it's a different character in the comics but it's the same kind of like kind of thing um but mm -hmm. like uh the peacemaker in the comics for example doesn't live in a trailer and doesn't have a pet eagle although can we give a quick shout out to uh, so Peacemaker in the show has a pet eagle, um, and uh, he is the eagle is played by the low key goat of nerd culture of the last like year or so, and that is of course D Bradley Baker. Yep. And if you have, I guarantee you have heard him because in addition to Eagly the Eagle, he played all of Ratcatcher 2's rats. In the Suicide Squad, he's also he currently also Murph, currently Murph. Um, yeah, he's currently Murph on Star Trek Prodigy, and and he is the entire title characters in Star Wars: The Bad Batch. In addition to playing the entire Grand Army of the Republic in Star Wars: Clone Wars, absolute goat. Um, and he, I want to give was, some love to D. Bradley Baker. And he was Animal in the reboot of Muppet Babies. Excellent. Not as exciting as the other ones. I, I wasn't that impressed with what I saw. Of, as, but of course, I, that show wasn't for me. I so, didn't you know. it, so um, I, I, didn't, I wasn't so much watching it, but it was on in a uh, in uh, the um, in the Continental Breakfast area of a hotel I was in uh, <laughs> two years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember Continental Breakfasts. I know. I miss them. Oh. The breakfast. They were continental. Continental, I say. Yeah, so it's Peacemaker is probably like if you're not watching Peacemaker, you need to watch Peacemaker. 
another uh, another HBO Max uh, superhero show that's just leagues above. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love Doom Patrol. I. It is. I I think uh, Peacemaker is the highest critically reviewed thing in the DCEU. And it has every right to be. Yeah. It it really does. I'm. I mean, it 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 leans into the if you don't have a whole lot of tolerance for gross out comedy, it might be a little much for you. Fair warning there, but it handles its character so sincerely that I can't not love it. Well, and like so, like I this and this ties so much into the the suicides. So I find so what I find interesting is that Jennifer Holland she's playing uh, Amelia Harcourt, mm-hmm. and um. You know, her character in the Suicide Squad wasn't written to be Amelia Harcourt, right? She was literally she was literally like she was literally like communications officer in the script. And then James Gunn at the last minute changed her credit in the end credits to Amelia Harcourt. Because ah. she's never referred to that in the in the entire film. She's not referred I to I was actually kind of thinking that when I was rewatching it. I'm like, they don't say her name, do they? No, they don't. It's kind of weird. But he put it in the, but James Gunn put it in the credits. Mm. And so, and so, like, she didn't know she was playing an established, like, if she had, like, if they had cast someone who wasn't the right physical type for the character, it probably wouldn't have, like, that's just an interesting, like, chain of events about how none of this is planned and no one knows what they're doing. Also, I will say I was really excited to see uh, Christopher Herodal show up in the most recent episode because I'm always excited whenever I see Christopher Herodal show up in anything. <laughs> I mean, he's Todd the Wraith, man. You know, it's... Uh, oh, fair. I'm I'm a big fan of so many genre shows that were shot in and around Vancouver that he is in. So... <laughs> um, to, to one last thing I do want to clarify in my little joke at the beginning um the openings the opening credits on this show are so good they use uh do you want to taste it by wigwam yep. excellent modern glam metal band yeah that's well, a thing modern that um, song's 12 years old or like 11 years old at this point it, hey trey 12 years modern. old is a lot more recent than most glam that's all I'm saying. But, but most glam rock was true. was popular uh, yeah. before I was born. So, like, I know, I, was, I know, it's to get bands like Poison. You know, you know what's interesting is one of Poison's first big hit was a cover of "Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City." The original version of "Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City" is the opening theme for Beforeners. Jesus Christ. Um. I'll, fine, I'll, I'll watch it at some point. I will say, though, the opening on Peacemaker is everything I would have wanted and more. I love dance sequences. I love the fact that they have the entire main cast doing a dance number. Uh, I just, it's wonderful. It's truly wonderful. I like it. I love it's it. Fun. Watch Peacemaker. It's really good. If you're not watching <laughs> Peacemaker, you're you you should you should sign up just sign up for HBO Max for a month, man. I want them to make like more shows like this, and they won't if people don't pay to see them. 
Yeah, it's who knows. Um, some I really do feel as well. It still vaguely feels like the DC EU is kind of doesn't have like a grand overall direction. To me, that's kind of offset by the fact that because the DCEU, at least right now, is kind is pretty hyper-focused on just letting directors do their thing with it, it means that we've been getting some really weird, interesting, and creative stuff. And I would like to see more weird, interesting, creative takes on the DC characters. Yeah. Because they're never going to out-Marvel Marvel. It's a stupid yeah. thing to do. No, just do their own thing. Know, it's... The, you know what the weirdest thing for me watching Peacemaker is? Hmm. I'm two inches taller than John Cena. <laughs> That's weird. That's just weird. I love John Cena, but he's not even but. And he's a very large man. He's... And I'm I'm very amused by him. Because, like, he's so... He looks like he was drawn by Rob Liefeld. I don't understand yeah. it. How does he I don't... function? How his body moves I mean, is amazing to me. He's. I mean, th th that man has to spend so much time working out to maintain that, for one. Like, that is just, like... That is a crafted work of art. But then you put that chin on that head, too. And it's <laughs> like... I don't... I don't understand how, how was he, how was he made of flesh? How is he real? And how am I taller than him? It feels like he should be taller than me. You know, like I take a look at that man and it, it feels like he should be taller than me. Love John Cena. Anyway, uh, truly a great actor. I, I, really hope he continues to have like a, this upward trajectory. Cause he's, I think he's a very good actor and kind of underrated. Hey, speaking of, uh, underrated actors. Um, so, uh, uh, Tamura Morrissey is back in star Wars again. <laughs> I'm, I'm transitioning awkwardly. Is there any other way to transition? I don't know. I no, everyone got on this really show, quiet. There's not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Book of Boba Fett is uh, seeing of streaming TV for that matter. The Book of Boba Fett is on Disney Plus right now, and we're like what five episodes into that too. Um, I have not watched this week's episode. I heard it is functionally a Mandalorian episode. That's okay. Um, uh. Book of Boba Fett is an interesting little show set on the planet Tatooine with Boba deciding to become a crime lord because he's sick of working for idiots. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what follows, though, is uh, a mixture of a uh, of a subplot that I really enjoyed that I've uh, that I'm affectionately calling Dances with Bantha and uh, also. Uh, Poor Boba getting a, uh, in over his head with another Star Wars gang who mostly showed up in the cartoons called the Pikes. Um, yeah. Um, have you guys been watching it? I've been, watch I've been watching the book of Boba Fett. Um, it's interesting. I really like it. Um, 
it's I mean we're five episodes into the season. Um and is, is it an eight episode season? I think so. Yeah. That sounds um, right. It's I I really enjoyed it. I've been really enjoying it so far. Um it's obviously like we're set right after the events of his appearance in the Mandalorian and you get in flashback a lot of the stuff that led up to what happened to him before the Mandalorian from escaping the Sarlacc pit to you know um where he was in that time and it's so i like that it they're, they're doing some interesting stuff with it i do feel like it was a little slow the first like this first half of the season has been a little slow moving um but not it's not a, it like that that's a minor criticism you know what i mean like it's a that right. is a I would rather that the pace picked up a little, but like it's still very good. Um, I don't know. It's I've I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed um, Magna Wen as as more you know getting more of her as uh, Fennec Shand. Um, like, I feel like Matt Berry might be a little wasted as eighty eight because we barely get any of them. Um, <laughs> I enjoy when we get him though. Yeah. He's very entertaining, but yeah, we I wish we got more of him. That's fair. Yeah, it's uh but like overall I'm I'm very much enjoying the show. I don't know how like it's like it, it's I don't want to give spoilers for what's been happening too much. Um but I I've I loved the um I've loved the the cyberpunk um Vespa gang. The mods. They literally call I... them mods. It's great. I also really like them. They're, I, they're literally I called mods. I saw them mods. getting a lot of hate, and I, I completely disagree with the people giving oh, that hate. They're beautiful. I love them. Those are so perfectly the kids in a small town dressing up like the cool kids from the big city, like they're trying to be. Like, these are kids who look like, man, man, wouldn't life be better if I was born on Coruscant? Like, man, like, mm, I'm... Trying like, way too hard. Oh, it's so, like, it's... It, it's like the the it, it's the whole like if you've ever met a small town punk it is it's phenomenal um like mm -hmm. like i i knew a guy who was like all punk but from like marshfield like <laughs> <laughs> i went to college with that guy like it's i'm I I love them so much, and, and the fact that they just don't like directly call them mods is hilarious to me, for like a long a long list of list of reasons. But like it's like the bright colored Vespas, which are phenomenal from both a like stylistic thing for the the hover Vespas, because like they're very stylistically like it gives you a specific image, because they. And but also because the multicolored, when like you do like chase scenes with them, it gives you a really easy visual way to tell who's where. Completely agreed. It's... I I enjoyed them because I like the idea of Boba Fett like looking for people who don't fit in yeah. and like making them part of his tribe. And I like him befriending the goony kids from town or the yeah um. The uh, uh, I love, love, love the uh, leaning more into stuff that they started poking at with the Mandalorian of uh, 
humanizing the Tuscan Raiders and making their whole thing make a lot more sense. That well, and didn't. also you get stuff in the 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 setting about how Tatooine hasn't always been a desert world, which is uh-huh. like super necessary for establishing why there is why there was a biome there to start with. This is a post-apocalyptic world. This was a world covered in oceans. At one point. And then imperialism happened. Yeah. it's There was an environmental collapse on this planet. And so that's why it is it is the way it is. And it's, it's just like... Oh, it's just... I, I, I just love it so much. Big one, though. This is my... This is probably my biggest compliment that I want to give the show. So Robert Rodriguez... Um, famously or infamously depending on who you ask um is credited with telling john favreau don't be a wuss in regards to making the decision between making the child and the mandalorian a puppet or cg and then uh going with the puppet i am very glad that on that same note we are keeping to stop motion and puppets on these droids I cannot tell you how happy I am that most of the droids either are actual stop motion, stop motion, actual puppets, or at the very least animated to look like goddamn stop motion puppets. They're yeah. beautiful. I'm here for it. More practical special effects, please. I am begging you. You have the money, Disney. Oh, well, you're so good. Yeah. It, I'm. I will say that overall, as a series, I've enjoyed The Mandalorian more, but I'm really enjoying the Book of Boba Fett. Like, I'm glad this is a story they decided to tell. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Um, my my oh. my favorite meme that I've seen that they haven't touched on is uh that there is there is an episode of The Bad Batch where Fennec Shand um like spends the entire episode uh um either trying to or in the process of kidnapping omega who was the one female clone that the last few clone troopers are traveling with and i just would think it would be so funny if we just had a moment of her be going up to uh boba and being like hey boss ever tell you i met your sister wait what I'm realizing did did where did where did Fennec Shand um originate? She is she was originally in The Mandalorian. Okay, that's what I was I And then so. she was back she was uh backdated into okay. an episode of The Bad Batch. So ba- cuz I know The Bad Batch is obviously where, I I don't watch the animated shows and so I know The Bad Batch is the mo- is the most recent one. Um It's excellent. But, yeah, it's but I really, like it's really whenever good. you get something with that time period I'm like it's We've had so many characters go the other way that, like, it, I had to check. Yeah, she is She is one of the ones who started out uh, in live action and got back logged into the cartoons. Uh, whereas you've got Ahsoka Tano who, and uh, uh, Bo-Katan Kryza who started in the cartoons and are now making their way right. into live action. One of whom retains her original actor. Uh-huh. Because... because 
<laughs> because yeah, uh, Katie, Katie Sackhoff, Sackhoff already is... looks like Bo-Katan Kryza, so well, I it's, mean... it's almost like they purposely made the character to look like Katie Sackhoff in the original nah. show, and that, nah, that'd be silly. And the, and the actress is the appropriate age to continue playing the character, nah, because nah, that doesn't make sense. Because Starbuck, it's you know, because <laughs> Katie Sackhoff is great. I love Katie Sackhoff so much, and Gen is still here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel bad. Don't like, mind me. I'm. I'm. I might be falling asleep a little bit just because I stayed up way too late playing D and D. I feel like it's been a weird weekend for everybody. Um, but oh, yeah. if I may just make a really quick aside because both of you will really enjoy this. The character that I made for my D and D is a ranger. And he is a shifter. And that basically means it's a humanoid with bestial like aspects. It's not quite a were beast person. But I decided to give him bestial aspects of the Puma. <gasps> he is. So I am playing Puma Man. The Puma Man. The Puma Man. <laughs> the Pumaman. <laughs> <laughs> so Excellent. that's all that, that's all i wanted to share about that because <laughs> i know you well, both would enjoy it well i i mean i know we trey and i had some opinions on boba fett and i know you didn't have much on that one again but i think this next topic you might have a bit more in uh input on uh, uh and this yeah. one affects me pretty deeply um although we there hasn't been like a tactical formal announcement yes there has there has oh, been well okay. so they put it on their facebook it's, page yeah well, that's pretty yeah, formal yeah okay so the facebook page is up uh after rumors about this for basically years because of a bought web domain um daishokan's weekend uh at the kalahari is already being filled here in 2022 by uh, the people who really like those Kalahari cons, it is, uh, yes, Colossal Con North is uh, taking over the weekend and venue of Daisho Con. Um, and I'm, uh, after that episode we did a couple months ago, I think some of you might understand that I'm having some interesting feelings about this. It's very, yeah. very mixed. Extremely mixed. Um, I'm yeah. I, I'm might, sure might, if any of the writers died, I should not con. stirred. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, they were clearly poised. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. I'm. That's no question. Did they buy that domain in like 2015? Yes, they did. They've okay. owned that domain since 2015. Um, so they've been circling. Theoretically, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just like, on the one hand, it's nice to see, like, a convention come and, like, take the spot and, you know, come back. Because we've all been, like, kind of pining about the the, the old golden age of anime conventions um, a few years ago. And Wisconsin, like, just alone had, what, like, six conventions yeah. a year? 
good. And and now we're down to half that. So so, so it it's yeah, nice to see good. something come in. I guess like I've had my but so yeah it's Colossal Con. So obviously now Colossal Con I believe has an exclusivity contract for the Sandusky Ohio location of the Kalahari. So I wonder if they've arranged that for um for uh the the Wisconsin Dells Kalahari for their convention. Um it's it's entirely possible the Kalahari reached out to Colossal Con about the weekend. It's clear that the weekend was taken because that was the weekend the Kalahari had reserved for Daisho Con twenty twenty two. It's mm-hmm. I was a little I was not surprised that Colossal Con was moving in because there have been rumors about that for quite some time. And I the moment that they were Con, moving in, I was surprised how quick it happened. Yeah. It's uh so here's the thing. It's um I'm a little concerned because of the organization. Um Colossal Con has had an interesting past just in twenty nineteen, which you know, when we used to report on a lot of convention news because conventions were happening back then. Um we Colossal Con was in our headlines a couple of times. Uh, first time uh, when a Colossal Con staffer said panels on diversity be, be more appropriate for Dash Con, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Not a great look. And then also additionally in um, a Colossal Con East, uh, the, the, the head of cosplay for the Colossal Con East event... Um, referred to oh god what is the exact quote here let me find it uh <laughs> i want to be clear yeah i don't want to be accused of misquoting you mean the thoughts who don't buy badges <sighs> yikes and then someone said i'm trying to be polite mo and the uh the person who was head of cosplay at the time responded with i mean it's not very polite that they don't support the venue they whore around at either so now, now in both Wolf. of these cases, in this case, I know specifically in the case of yeah. Chris Gary, that Chris Gary was removed from his position. Um, at the time he had not been removed from the organization, this may have changed. Again, it's, and I believe that the, the person who made the DashCon con comment was removed from their position. But again, um, like they were, like the, I know what the DashCon comments, they were 100% moved from that position where they could post, but there were no comments. We never actually knew who made that post. And um, as far as we know, they were not removed from the actual convention staff. And so um, I don't know about Chris Gary whether or not he is still with Colossal Con staff as a whole. It's, uh, hmm. let me, I don't know, Chris Gary. I'm going to Google. Just let's see if people have things in their LinkedIn. Um, okay, Chris Gary has been fired. Um, but the, 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 according to uh, posts I have found, at least according to the internet posts, I don't have um, conf- conf- direct confirmation, but so I at least believe that he might be removed, but the person from the other situation, as far as we know, has not been um, actually removed from the organization. So like these are, it's a culture um, that is a little concerning internally. And mm-hmm. so, um, and again, I am the head of a Wisconsin Dells-based convention. I Let's be very clear, full disclosure, I run No Brand Con. No Brand Con runs out of the Chula Vista Resort in the Wisconsin Dells in April. We don't consider November conventions to be competition, for the record. Like, it's um, any convention that is running, like, six months off of us is, we're not competing for 
like the attendee for the same dollars. Like we might be trying to get the same attendees to attend, but we're not, you know, like the person who we're so far apart in the calendar is with the rare exception of the people who can only do one convention a year. We are not competing mm-hmm. for people. And like, so like, I don't view it as like, even in the most cutthroat version of reality that either one of our conventions is a deciding factor in going to the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I strongly doubt that that would be the case. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think any, I don't think any attendee goes, well, I'm going to go to no brand con and not colossal con. And I don't think any attendee goes, I'm, I'm going to go to colossal con and not no brand con for a finance, like for like, the, I mean, someone, obviously there are people who make those decisions, but those are their own decisions for personal reasons. And the existence of the other one is not a factor in that decision about whether or not they attend mine or theirs. So, like, I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound too negative because, again, like I, I am technically running another event. <laughs> um, but um, and and I will say that, like, this isn't the worst case scenario. I'm not going to go into details about anything, but there are worse groups to move into those weekends. And exactly. I guess there are absolutely very worse groups that could be moved in. And my, I'm glad it's not my those su- groups. My surprise comes in uh, twofold for this specific weekend. One, I ex- I didn't expect it to happen this year. I expected Colossal Con Same. to move in in 2023. Um, in fact, actually, the fact that they're sticking to Dice Con's weekend is more convenient for me because it does guarantee that, like, it's not going to impact the the stuff that I'm doing at all. Like, it, they have put themselves squarely in the one spot in the calendar where, like, I'm much more concerned about, like, um, I don't view, like, most conventions that actual like competition competition but the other events the con- the conventions that would affect my numbers more are like all the other cons in april <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there are a lot in like march april and may is a busy time of year in the convention calendar so like those those i'm worried about um so um so, but the the other thing is that specifically that like they ended up exactly on Dice Show Con's weekend because that is the same weekend as Colossal Con Texas, which I know that they'll have different operational staff for the two events, but it does mean that um, when you're running an organization and you're splitting up who's running what at different events, it does mean that they can't run their complete A team at both events. Right. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, that's either you're oof. running one. You're either you're running one event with your best team and the other one with like the opposite of your best team or you're splitting your best team up over two events. And um, that is like a a much more difficult position to be in, because while I don't think it's a concern, you know, obviously conventions run on the same weekend all across the country, many weekends a year. Right. Almost every weekend. But and so like for vendor competition, Texas and Wisconsin are going to largely draw different vendors. It's, you know, for an artist. And then obviously guests are split up across the country, no matter what for these things. Um, but like when you're running the or- the thing yourself, it's as, and I can say this as a person who organizes events, um, it is staffing is the challenge. And it means that they, because while volunteers, like you're, you're like, you're on the ground staffers are likely going to be local. There's going to be a great number of staffers for an organization like that, where you would want the central core and you can't have those people working at more than one event at the same time. Yeah. Oof. So, I mean, obviously colossal con, if they have, if they have the resources to pull this off and I think they do like it's, I will say that I think colossal con um, for all is I've been critical of them in many ways. 
Um, I do think that they are more equipped to handle running an event at the Kalahari than Daisho Khan was in its later years. Um, mm-hmm. Because Daisho Khan's greatest problem was not financial, it was manpower. Um, but I, I, wonder, I wonder how much of a challenge this is going to be for, um, for Colossal Khan in that respect. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know much about the internal workings of it. There, there's that weird factor of it's going to be a it's going to be a con. It's going to be in the same space as Daisho, but it's also going to be run by people uh, who aren't from Wisconsin. Yeah, and like that's not inherently a bad thing. Obviously, that's just kind of it. I know the vibe is going to be different. Yeah. That's not that's not good. That's not bad. That's just it just is. And it's again, emotionally, this is weird because like uh, it is. Yeah, that is something to consider that like this is going to be an event not run by locals. And that is not something we've really had in the anime convention circuit in Wisconsin. We've had that like in other kinds of cons. But can you name an anime convention not run by locals? Not in Wisconsin. No, Yeah, not in Wisconsin. Uh, like. That's and obviously it happens all over the United States. That's right. not right. It's again, again, it's not good. It's not bad. It's it is it's just and, interesting. And, it's and very it's, different. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. But like, yeah, most most of the Wisconsin cons, um, and I may be wrong, but I think most of them were started by university groups. Correct. Most of them, not all, but most. Most, yeah, most not of all. The anime con- like Anime Milwaukee was started by a university group. No Burn Con was started by a university group. Daisho Con, now late Daisho Con, was started by a university group. The late Geek Con was started by a university group. Um, the uh, Kitsune Con, I don't think technically was, oh, but it was started by a bunch so. of um, like they weren't. Um, no, but I think that's the only exception. I mean, there were smaller cons that didn't last long, but well, and you do have some other yeah. there. There are other ones that are the smaller cons that still exist. Obviously, like um, oh, I don't know if they. There are a couple of ones like Fire Nice that I don't know if they have survived the pandemic, but they're also based out of a university. It's and then there are you know there there are many cons that you know, yeah. But the anime convention circuit has been dominated by that with the exception of Kitsune, which may as well have been because it was started mm-hmm. by a bunch of people that age. So, mm-hmm. um, well, and that was still run by locals. Yeah. It's all been yeah. run by locals. That's the thing is that like, and historically when big conventions have tried to come into because uh, what was there was that one that was trying to do conventions like all across the nation in oh, different cities. Awesome Con. Awesome Con. There you go. Awesome Con. Yeah, which they, they never got off the ground though. They never. For... Awesome Con Milwaukee never ran because Awesome Con Indianapolis was a massive flop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I think that's before they got bought by Left Field Media. Like it's Awesome Con is now owned by a different parent organization. I I I don't remember which one technically owns them now. Um, yeah, it's. I was very mean to Ben Penrod at, at the time, and uh, I'm I'm glad uh, he hasn't held that against me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, no. And then there was Fantastic Con, which was run by this guy in Chicago who kept having failed cons in Chicago and then bombed mm-hmm. that out in Milwaukee. It's uh, Wizard World, Wisconsin. Um, I don't know if... Well, not Wizard World had its own collapse independently, and I don't remember if that was one of the conventions that got sold off. Um, I think Game Hole's run by locals, so it's like... I'm just trying to go through the conventions. It's Wisconsin's a very locally run based events. Mm-hmm. So like it's there have been exceptions. Like obviously when Wizard World was operating, it's Wizard World Wisconsin never made sense to me because people in southern Wisconsin could get to Wizard World Chicago, the big one, easily. So it was like, mm-hmm. why is this like Yeah. Um, when your biggest population source is Milwaukee and it's just as long a drive for them to get down to a Chicago convention as a Madison convention. Why would you go to Madison? Yeah. Um, But that said, like it's all the major cons have all been locally run and for the large part, they've been nonprofits. I don't know what colossal cons legal structure is. Um, If they're a for-profit event or a nonprofit, I'm a, my brain I don't know if they're for profit or non profit. Um, yeah, yeah, and we shouldn't say one way or the other since no, we don't know. Gonna... That's. Do, 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 do. I mean, the original Colossal Con started out as a one day convention in 2003. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. No, it's I have no idea what their legal structure is. Um, hmm. I should find. I'll check their website. They don't say. Mm. I mean. It's, yeah, none of this is, this is all like it's. Well, it's just trying to find something about. Uh, like I'm finding stuff about the actual event. Like it's this would be a very helpful website right now if I was trying to go to the event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is not clear. But yeah, we are. It's pretty. It's oh, weird. Okay. It's super uh, weird for me. I'm. Yeah. It, well, it's let's. Just, oh, okay. Nostalgiaconventions.com LLC. Okay. So I need to find out what. Because uh, that is their parent organization. Um, there are nonprofit LLCs, but usually not. Well, this sounds like it's going to take some time to do complete digging, so. Mm-hmm. Sorry. it's uh... No, we can talk about something else in the meantime. No, I, it's just, I, I don't want to make the podcast sitting here waiting to figure out whether or not they're a, uh, they're a for-profit con or not. I, again, I'm feeling weird because this is, it's weird seeing uh seeing the thing that uh that i worked so hard to build getting 
the the you know this this thing that I helped create um going under in what I still feel to be kind of suspect circumstances not legally Daishokan as far as I can tell didn't do anything legally wrong it doesn't change the fact that I yeah. still feel skeezy about it I'm just saying with with complete clarity as far as I know there's nothing hinky legally about what Daishokan did Right, no, it's everything, as far as we can tell, Daishokan did not do anything illegal. They did, however, do stuff that we believe to be unethical. Mm-hmm, which, which as, as you should all well know, that's not the same thing. And, yeah, that's, uh, it's just, I don't know, right. it's, it's weird seeing it get replaced but i'm glad it's being replaced by something that i'm glad people have something to be excited about mm-hmm. look on the bright side i i am looking on i'm i i don't know that i feel safe going to a water park con this sure. year but i'd like to in the future that sounds fun all right i well, look cute it's <laughs> for, for the record i have established with the articles of organization for a domestic for-profit limited liability their for-profit convention Okay. I found their filings with the Ohio Secretary of State. There are way worse for-profit events out there. There are. Though. It does. So make I'm. It, it does. I'm going to be thankful for the little things in this case. It is interesting because that does add, uh, like, so this is something that's important. That this is so. So when it comes to volunteers, it's important to note that there are legal issues if for for-profit conventions to. Um, use volunteer labor. Mm. Um, there is conflicting case law about whether or not that's legal um, or whether or not you need to pay a uh, minimum wage or contract paid contracts for those workers. Um, like the non nonprofit events get around this because you can legally volunteer for a nonprofit. That's there are literally no problems with that. Um, but uh, it is it is interesting, you know, like because we is going to have to ask how are they going to staff the events? Because mm-hmm. I don't know because there are for profit cons that are still operating on volunteer labor, and I don't know if Colossal Con is one of them. That is a question I'll, I will I will look into. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because there is. Uh, <laughs> they have a volunteering email. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> that is that is it's a sticky legal issue that um. That that is is something that uh, people should look into. Um, that's because again. Uh, Wisconsin's anime cons have all been non-profits thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I actually don't have anything against for-profit conventions. Nerd and Tie ran a convention for-profit in 2016. Um, Let's say we literally ran a for-profit convention. Well, we ran it for-profit. Doesn't mean there was any. There um, wasn't <laughs> a profit, but we ran one. Yeah. And so, like, we're not, like, inherently against it, but it does, um, it does, like, it does bring in some, like, legal questions. 
whenever we talk about this stuff. And it's just stuff to think about. Um, yeah. I mean, and there are much there are much worse for profit groups that could have come in. Um, so, anyways, uh, so Beforeners is great, guys. I just have to. Tell <laughs> you. We've talked about Beforeners enough. No one else has seen it. <laughs> Not HBO Max. I know you can. I I haven't watched it because I'm too busy watching all the iterations of Devil Man. No one needs so to there. See Devil Man. Everyone needs Devil Man's a classic, Trey. It well, it's Gona Guy's magnum opus. Which version, though? Oh, magnum uh, opus, you're Gona Guy. He's the greatest manga, one of the greatest manga who ever lived. So yes, there's a million versions of Devil Man. Get it? I were briefly talking about that. Yeah, because I, um, I don't know why, but I got on a kick of just like, I want to watch Devil Man. Oh, like, there's this 1973 um, TV show anime version. Uh, it's 39 episodes. Oh, watch that first. Do, 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 do. This is not the same plot as Crybaby at <laughs> all. That is... This is, this is <laughs> like one of these, and there's tons of them, so you know the trope. This is one of those shows where it's like... Good Super. guy defeats monster of the week. Every week. Every week, every episode, there's a new like devil coming after Devil Man that he has to defeat. And they all look like um they were designed to be made into toys. And, and to sell toys. And, and like that's a lot that's and one that's of those <laughs> effects of like in in the seventies, that was going to guy was work there was a point in his career where he was writing four manga simultaneously. Jeez. Um yeah, the man is insane. His uh his sensei um Shotaro Ishinomori is the only person who could beat his uh productivity and Ishinomori uh has a posthumous Guinness World Record for it. Jeez. Um yeah the the man was nuts. And, but one of his things was that he would sell pitches to Toei and they would start with the same basic concept, but like Toei made a superhero monster of the week show mm -hmm. and going to guys manga ended up being his, uh, violent horny screed about how much he hates war. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause if you watch, um, the the 73 anime it's it it's much more based on um what is it demon his lord previous dante. work yeah. yeah demon lord dante um whereas if you move on to like say the 1983 ova adaption which has nick's favorite iteration of ryu um so good it's my, <laughs> it's my beautiful satan boy it it holds much more to the actual Devilman manga, but being as it's called um, Birth of Devilman, it gets to the good part and then it stops and it's really annoying. <laughs> it's almost literally just like the first three chapters of the manga and then it just stops. <laughs> and then it's it's just done. There's no other like OVAs. From from there, I mean, the next one comes in 1990, which is in continuity with that one. Like okay. the same character designs are used. Yeah. Um, so so in my watching, I've I've 
completed 73 and 83, and I have yet to watch 90 um, OVA, and then there's a 2000. There's the live-action movie. There's a Japanese live-action movie that is considered a... Uh, Oh, God. It has... Do they put him in furry pants? Uh... It's got bad CG. Oh, no. It's got bad acting. No. Um, in a questionable wanna. decision, they decided wanna. to try to um, incorporate elements from the 70s show and the manga. Oh, no. So after he gets devilized, Akira always wears a yellow t shirt with a big A on hey. it. <laughs> yes. It's on Tubi. Like we oh we could gosh. we could do like a watch party or something. Oh, we should. I'm... We should. <laughs> oh, I did live also... stream it on the nerd and Ti- on the nerd and Ti- <laughs> Facebook page. Yeah, we could. We could. We should. Um, but I did also watch the um 1973 movie Mazinger Z versus <gasps> Devil Man. Ah, oh, Mazinger! And I know nothing about Mazinger. <laughs> so that was that was a pretty fun little movie. It's basically just like. Mazinger gets his wings. Yeah, Mazinger was uh, like whole movie was the OG one one of the one of the best super robots, like one of the classics that Gonagai also created. And of course, they had to cross over because why wouldn't? (laughs) Well, I mean, the protagonists of both series are pretty much the same dude. Yeah, um, seventies <laughs> so uh, uh, Toei protagonists are all basically the same guy. Get a Robo, same story. And Nagai didn't even create that one. He was <laughs> friends with the author, but <laughs> uh, hey, um, speaking of seventies anime, I did think about something that was announced that I do did want to talk about real quick that I'm kind of excited for. And by kind of excited for, I mean I'm losing my goddamn mind about it. Um, one of my favorite '70s anime and manga, Urusei Yatsura, um, by the the great, the prolific, and uh, really anime's own uh, cool aunt, Rumiko Takahashi, is getting a brand new anime series what, this what? year. Sorry, I tuned out, and then you brought up Rumiko Takahashi. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, Urusei Yatsura is getting a brand new anime adaptation by the studio that did that's currently doing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was the JoJo studio. Yeah, it is. Ooh. David Productions is doing a remake of Urusei Yatsura. Um, and I'm just going to tell you all right now. I want this on the record on the podcast. Uh, I love Urusei Yatsura. I'm a huge fan, so whether this is really good or really bad, I'm going to be real annoying when it starts airing. I'm just giving <laughs> you all a heads up right now. You've been warned. been warned. Uh, I, I we stand Ryanosuke. I love Ursayatsura um, so much. It's, yeah, new... Um, and uh, hilariously, the actor... The actor playing Ataru is um, was the first person to announce it. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, uh, he's a guy who's got some comedy chops, uh, although he's also known for being the asshole brother from uh, Fate Stay Night, um, Shinji Mato. Um, okay. Though he played Psyche K in the, the Weird Life of Psyche K, so 
people I've been told that series is very funny, so he probably has the chops for it. Uh, Lum is being played by, um, I'm trying to see what else she was in. The, uh, like she, I remember I know any of the Japanese voice actors from anything. The new Lum was played Fubuki in the, um, in the, uh, battleships as waifus anime, um, um, Ew. uh, con Cole. Yeah. So weird, but yeah, no, she's, um. I'm really excited to see what happens, mostly because this is David Productions. They're an awesome studio. Uh, what they did with JoJo has been excellent. So I'm choosing to be optimistic about a new Ursa Yatsura. I'm going to, again, I'm going to be real annoying about it one way or another. <laughs> yeah, it's, you I'm, know what? I've that only, is okay. I've only, like, the amount of actual, like, Ursa Yatsura, like, anime I've watched is actually really limited. I've just read a ton of the manga. You know, so it's like, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen various like, um, things, but not, not like I, it's been a very long time. Like I have a much stronger memory of the, of the, the manga than I do of the, the various anime adaptations that there have been. There haven't been a lot. And truth be told, um, I, it's going to be hard to compare because, this is going to, for some of you younger anime fans, this is going to seem like sacrilege. But, um, like, th- from the 70s through to the 90s, being one-to-one manga accurate wasn't always the name of the game. Uh, and in a lot of ways, the Ursa Yatsura anime departs from the manga, not on, like, major things, but in having way more... Uh, kind of weird character pieces or existential episodes. Um, there's an entire episode of the anime from when uh, Ghost in the Shell and Angel's Egg director Mamoru Oshii was the showrunner, where the entire episode is Ataru, the main character's mom, having an existential crisis about whether or not she wasted her life being a Japanese housewife. Like... <laughs> yeah. It's a very... I know that I did not make that sound funny, but the show, the manga and the original anime are laugh out loud funny. I'm yeah. very fond of them. I'm, I'm very and fond I'm of the manga. I'm so it's, excited. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how Ataru develops in the, the in an anime series like directly because it's like I never like like if you read the 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 manga, his character like just the character decay on him is so blatant over the time. Like in the, at the beginning, like, like in the first, like if you read like that, that the first issues like of, of them, like the first installments of that manga, Ataru is like trying to be serious and occasionally like, and then will like have moments of hornball, and then like he just he, like devolves throughout. The- Ataru, yeah, in the early chapters, he's mostly just annoyed, but he seems intelligent. As yeah. it goes on, he gets much dumber. But like the other weird thing is, and I can't say for certain that that was the case. When you read the first two chapters of the manga, I don't get the impression that Lum was supposed to be in past the first chapter. No, it's one hundred percent. They're they're building up the like. It's it's really interesting. It's because it's it's obvious that the that she's not supposed to be his true love interest at the beginning, right? Like it's it's yeah, it's Shinobu. Yeah, who Shinobu. ends up being um, 
to, to put this in perspective for those of you who don't know the story, Ursa Yatsura is about a uh, horny idiot named Ataru, um, who, as we implied, doesn't start out as a total idiot, who um, is selected seemingly at random to be the representative of Earth when uh, these aliens that look like Japanese Oni show up. Uh, and he only agrees to do it because he thinks he gets to play tag with the bikini-clad Princess Lum of the Invader family. Yeah. But then he finds out that she can fly, and beating her at tag is borderline impossible. <laughs> and it just kind of devolves well, from there. He, um, he steals her bikini top, I think, in the, like, it's how he wins? In the, like yeah, in the... In the manga, it's much more unpleasant. In the anime, he just steals her top. She gets embarrassed, yeah, and that's then right. that's how he yeah. wins. It's I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm glancing at Wikipedia because I last read this like literally like almost thirty years ago. Um, so. but early like early on, it wasn't clear Lum was going to be a recurring character, no. but she was clearly the most popular, and now basically is Urasayatsura. Um. Yeah. But then you also have uh, Ataru's girlfriend at the start of the series, Shinobu, who is a painfully underrated character because she is a much needed straight man to the rest of the bullshit going on around her. And uh, she's an excellent character who deserves way more love from the community. Um, yeah. It's so anyways, it's but, I but, want this to be good. But, you so guys. That's, that's I, my, my question is, is that like what version of Ataru is going to be in here? Is it going to be early chapters Ataru or is it going to be like, like, are they going to start him the way he was in early chapters and have him devolve the way he did in the manga? Or are they going to start with the later characterization from the beginning? And that's like, and I, think... I, I feel like either way could work. Um, I, I love Rumiko Takahashi. Oh, I right. always will. I will always um, love Rumiko Takahashi. I, I, again, she's she is anime's cool aunt. Um, I mean, it is entirely possible that his, uh, you know, um, <laughs> the uh, what the heck? Did you know that in the UK dub for Ursai Atsura, Ataru was voiced by Matt Lucas? I did. It was a. It was produced for a. Uh, it was a one-off uh, Japanese anime animation thing where uh, it is it is a well-meaning but mostly atrocious dub. There's a lot of what were at the time um, uh, modern jokes because it was recorded in like 2000. Um, yeah. And as a result, you have things like Pokemon references being thrown around where they don't belong. It's... I think it was well-meaning, but it ends up just seeming ill-informed and low-key racist. Yeah. Um, it's not great. Let's never watch that. Anyways, um, uh, you should. Yeah. It's it's hard to find anyway. But but I I like I'm I'm a big fan of Takahashi. Takahashi. Obviously, Ranma one half is you know a much more important piece of work to me. Even though Ranma like I don't know, Ranma one half is a weird thing to say. It's an important piece of work to anybody, but I love it. And my <laughs> Senakaku, I think, has a better, stronger heart than the other stuff too. But um, I'm going to say that I blame. I'm I'm not going to blame one piece of media, but I will say oh! that my. 
What? What? Nothing. I thought you were making a joke. Don't worry about it. I mean, we oh, all know no. what it is. But... <laughs> no, I w- but what I will say is that my understanding of queerness and gender yeah. was very much colored by a lot of the anime and manga I consumed when I was a middle schooler and early high schooler. And, you know, along with Dot Hack Sign and uh, Clamp works that did include Rumiko Takahashi. And I do, yeah. I, I, I don't feel bad saying that a little bit of Ranma and especially Ryunosuke from uh, Urusei Atsura colors my under colored my understanding of gender. And I I, I I'm kind of happy I had that. I think it's an incredibly common thing for queer nerds of a certain generation. Like, yeah, I, absolutely yeah it's just yeah yeah it's i mean it's well it's interesting is those because we're takahashi's work you see in ursa um like the the pattern that she later got better with uh the like it's clear that at the beginning of um ursa that the ataru uh shinobu relationship is much more akin to what she did later with ranma and akane Mm -hmm. because it's not like it it people liked Lum so much more in, in the Urusayatsura fandom that she kind of like was pushed in a different direction than maybe what she originally intended. Um, but uh, yeah. Okay. So we should uh, move on to the final part of the show because what, what's the final part of the show? The vomit had Steve challenge. The black Ta-da. lion to our Voltron. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually say this is more of a green lion. <laughs> we could get by. But I just can't get it off my black one. Anyway. Um. Okay, so anyway. there go the rails. They're, they're all the way over there. We've leapt off of them quite a while ago. I mean, you know, like it's... Rails are... Look, Jerks. if I had to lose one of my limbs, would it be my... One part of my body would it be my torso or in head. No. Would it be my legs? No. Would it be my right arm? No. My left arm. Mm. I mean, if I had to pick. Fair argument. Oh, if we're choosing to like not have a part of our body, I've already chosen appendix. Mm. Yeah. Good one to drop. Which yeah. Were, but none of the lions are the appendix of Voltron. The little mouse robot from the 80s cartoon there is the appendix of the <laughs> All right. The Vomit at Steve Challenge is the part of the show where I read to you a part line of a book and the challenge to you, the listeners, to guess what book we're reading. Uh, if you guess the book correctly, uh, you get included in the Hall of Awesome. Benefits of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. One, I read your name aloud every episode. Two, I put you on a hidden web page on nerdtide.com that you can find if you hunt for it hard enough. And three, there is nothing else. This is a free, dumb thing we do. The current meth... meth yeah, blah, blah. Words, I can words. Red leather, yellow leather. All right, so the current members of the Hall of Awesome, awesome are as follows. We're, we're going to do so well this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Archimite, Zero, Rina Innocenti, Cheese McDamu, Crystal, Slytherin, Shameless Otaku, The Random Ramblings Band, Corfan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lilisaurus, Pipper Godzilla, Cavsy, The Minnesota Librarian, Sean Orange, Keith Shizuo, Sakura Sunset, Joel Kreisman, Patrick Delahanty, Wonderland Hearts, and Megzi Sass Council. Booyah! 
Sorry, I just popped my mic really hard, and I'm sorry about that. You did. Anyways, uh, I'm going to read a line from the current book. Frank, a moment of your time, please. If you know what book that's from, go to nerdintel.com, click on the contact form, fill it out, and tell us. Or if you'd like to contribute to our mailbag portion that we'd have here, if any of you guys actually wrote anything in anymore, uh, we'd read that letter out loud here. Uh, and uh, then, uh, yeah, tell us your hopes, your dreams, your thoughts, uh, your the your favorite thing. Uh, which lion would you lose out of Voltron? Like, if your body was mm-hmm. made of the Voltron lions, which one would you lose? Um, who are you fan casting in Urusei Yatsura, and why should Tiffany Grant play Ten? Who are you fan casting as humans who are now trying to assemble themselves in cosplay as Voltron? Like the robe, like they're cosplaying <laughs> the lions and trying to uh, build an interlocking costume where they actually like uh, cheerleader pyramid on each other. Who would you fan cast in that? Okay, but now someone's going to actually try to do that. They should. Please do. Look, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say that in the next year, when I go and see cosplay contests, if I don't see, if I don't see someone, anyone, I don't care what the cosplay is, attempt a choreography from the opening of Peacemaker to do you want to taste it as their cosplay skit. If no one does that, I am going to be so mad. <laughs> Seconded. Seconded. It's amazing. It's greatest it thing is. put to film. Like I, you don't have to cosplay. Maybe ever. Like I, I, I'd love to see the Sailor Scouts do that. Like just anybody. <laughs> yeah, the Ginyu Force. Do it. Voltron. Yeah, honestly, I'll take it. Oh boy, we should get out of here. We should get out yeah. of here. Hey, um, uh, we uh, are. We are, of course, Nerd and Tie. Uh, as always, I'm Nick Izumi. I'm Trey Dorn. I'm Gen Proc. And remember, you can always subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, although, fuck Spotify. Um, yeah, maybe and, don't on Spotify. But maybe, maybe, like, maybe try, uninstall maybe Spotify. Maybe try Podbean or Blueberry or something, like any of the, but, and uh, if you're on a service that allows you to rate and review, like, say, Google Podcasts or um, Apple Podcasts, you should rate and review the show and tell your friends. You can follow the show on social media. We are at Nerd and Tie on Twitter. We are nerdandtie.tumblr.com. And our Tumblr's working again, miraculously. It, it broke for a little bit, but it's back online. Um, you can mm. f- follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdandtie. We are a part of the Nerd and Tie podcast network, of course. And we've got some great shows coming up for you over the next year. We've got a new season of The Meat Grinder dropping. It's premiering February 15th. Episode 1 is going up. Um, the trailer's going to drop later tonight after I upload this, and uh, it's it's really fun. Um, also, I just put out a new episode of BS Free Witchcraft where we talk about Lilith and uh, misconceptions about her. So if you uh, if you uh, ever thought that maybe it was a good idea to involve Lilith in your witchcraft, don't, because um, of stuff. Anyways, uh, that's all I have. I think and. Uh- well, as always, you guys take care of yourselves for the next month. We'll see you, and, and until then, <laughs> keep on spocking. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You can support the show financially by uh, oh, yeah. Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-G-O-R-N. Nick's got a Patreon at patreon.com slash Nickazumi. Again, sell money. stuff uh, as Ocelot Dude Designs, and uh, you should buy Gen's stuff because it's cool. Buy and, my stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, just remember in your hopes and your dreams and the places where you lurk at night, deep, deep inside as you hide, hide from what the question that scares you. And we all know the question. Is do you want to taste it? That the do lyrics, you really want to? Do you really want to taste it? I, want, I just want to point out that the lyrics to that song—it's very yeah. unclear what the hell that song is about. It is. I don't know if I want to taste it. Is Maybe it, you'd... like <sighs> it, on one hand it reads like uh, like a Def Leppard like song about sex, but on the other hand it also reads like someone whose <laughs> life is falling apart. <laughs> uh, I don't want to taste either of those. It's it's. Again, I, go straight I, to the stars on a flying thing. It's. I really That's think. That's an actual I, lyric. I, I really think it's. <laughs> it's. I really think it's. It's. It's a bunch of Norwegians throwing phrases together that sound cool, and yeah, and maybe we just have to. We have. We have to be okay with the God. We ran out of music. I'm ending the show. <laughs>